chapter 4. I want to spend just a few moments here in the Word of God. Uh, personally, I uh, don't really like to have business meetings on Sunday night. I'll tell you that right up front. Uh, it's in our Constitution that we do it that way, so that's the way we're going to do it. Uh, but many times uh, I've gone to visit churches. Oh, we're having a business meeting. We're not going to have a message or anything tonight. We're just having a business meeting. And, and then it's kind of, uh, you know, uh, doesn't turn out to be anything that uh, was a blessing to me because that's their business. Well, we're glad each one of you are here tonight. And I want to give you the Word of God. That's what we do here at Spooner Baptist Church. We try to give the Word of God and teach it and preach it. And uh, we won't spend a long time in it tonight. Uh, we do know we have some business to get to, so, but uh, he, uh, not too long ago, we spent some Wednesday nights uh, talking about 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and uh, what it means to have a successful Christian ministry. Uh, and uh, so I felt like uh, we really didn't finish that chapter, but I felt like what it, at, what's in the second half of this chapter is appropriate for what... Uh, uh, we would uh, be thinking about tonight, and that's a plan for another year. A plan for another year. Here we're at the 20th of January. Uh, I know some, some of you, it seems like we've been in, in 2013 a long time now, but really it's only been a, a few weeks here, and uh, we've still got most of the year ahead of us, right? Well, we may not know what will unfold in our lives during this new year, uh, there may be, there is one thing that's going to be sure and that's going to be constant. We're still going to have problems, okay? We're still going to have problems. And in these verses here, beginning in chapter 4 and verse 8, the Apostle Paul gives us some much-needed insight into the problems we face and how we should handle them. After all, either we can handle our burdens or they will surely handle us. And I don't want to just sound negative about the days ahead. I don't think uh, we necessarily, as believers, need to think, you know, things are going to be bad in 2013. Um, but I think we realize that we live in a un... Or a not, we're not living in a God-friendly country anymore. You know, most of uh, the people around the country... Uh, may talk about God, may claim to be Christians, but we get a lot of, of negative things about being a Christian. But yet that doesn't mean we stop. We don't stop being a Christian. We don't stop serving the Lord. <clears throat> and there probably seems to be more valleys than there are <clears throat> excuse me, mountaintops. But as verse 1 says, we have this ministry. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry... As we have received mercy, we faint not. And so we must not faint. We have the ministry, so we must not faint. Now, it may be you've entered the year already in a valley. It may be that as the new year is dawned, there are problems that have begun to develop in your life. Even if these two statements are not true, most likely you will face a valley before 2014 arrives. In fact, God's children are in one of three places right now. God's children are in one of three places. You are either in a valley, or coming out of a valley, or getting ready to go into a valley. 
You're going to be in one of those three places. And since that's true, we need to be prepared for the valley days that are to come. And these verses, I believe, will help us to do that. Now, first of all, we must plan for the valleys. In verse 8 we, and through 12, we find here some statements uh, that we need to uh, realize here in the context of these verses. Paul is speaking primarily of the persecution of the believer. He suffered greatly for the Lord's sake. Often we suffer not for the Savior, but because of our own sins. That is, we experience the chastisement of God in our lives because disobedience and foolish decisions that we make. But that's not the focus here of these verses. If you're suffering today because of your sins, then the only recourse you really have is to repent and to seek to restore your fractured fellowship with God. And after all, He will chastise the wayward son. Uh, These verses speak to those who are suffering for their faith. And if you're going to be faithful, then you can be sure that someone's going to object to it. And there may be a valley in your life, and you may suffer for your your, your faith. Uh, Having said that, it needs to be said that valleys will come. Notice, first of all, they are painful. Verse 8 says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. In these verses, Paul uses some pretty descriptive language. He describes his valleys as times of pain. And note the, the language he uses. It says troubled. It mean, means being pressed and squeezed, under pressure. Uh, he says every side, in every way, every place, occasion. He says perplexed, that is to be at a loss, to wonder which way to go. Uh, persecuted, uh, that's even to be hunted like an animal. Uh, Cast down means to be smitten and beaten down. And so it's apparent that the apostle is enduring circumstances that could be described as painful. Uh, This happens in our lives, and in fact these words could be very accurate uh, in describing the way we feel from time to time. You might feel just the way he describes it right here. And when you go into the valley, it's no fun, and it's quite often painful. And the point is, you are not the first, neither will you be the last, uh, to have painful times in your life. Secondly, notice that uh, uh, they are planned. Verse 10, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Here are two verses that hinge on one word that's found in both. It is the word that. Now, my wife, when she uh, proofreads some of my writings and so forth, she says, you don't need that that in there, Uh, you know? And so she keeps crossing that's out. Well, uh, she better not cross them out of here because that's, that's the important word here. Paul tells us that he endured all that he has for one reason. Uh, that reason was that Jesus might be seen in him. This tells me that when the trials of life come Paul's way, they came because they were planned of the Lord. We need to realize today that these things don't just happen to a believer. They're not accidents. They're always a purpose, and it's always part of a plan. 
And more will be said about that in a few minutes. But right now, remember that nothing can happen in your life or my life or even the life of this church that has not been allowed to happen by God. And of course, you study Job chapter 1 and 2 and you'll see that very clearly uh, uh, pointed out there as well. If you're saved, there is no such thing as bad luck or unfortunate events. There's only the will of God seeking glory for God. So they are planned. They are painful. They are planned. Thirdly, they are a privilege. Now in these verses here from 8 to 12, we find here that these distressing events came about in Paul's life. He was able to respond to each through the grace of God. The valleys that Paul faced were just chances for him to prove that God was truly God. And notice what Paul says about his valleys. Each difficulty was contrasted by an exclamation of God's helping and blessing. Distressed? That means to be crushed under pressure? Yes. Crushed? No. Yeah, under pressure, yes, but crushed, no. Uh, Despair? To be hopeless with no sense of confidence or security? Do I wonder which way to turn sometimes? Yes. Am I without hope? No. Uh, destroyed means to perish. Am I hunted like an animal? Perhaps yet you have been. Will I perish in the hunt? No. What Paul is saying is that these trials, these valleys are tough. They are hard. They may be painful. However, they are the perfect arena for us to demonstrate to the world that the God we serve is worthy of that service. You know, our valleys when handled correctly, tell the world that we serve a God who is worthy of our faith and of our service. When we handle the valleys of of life God's way, Jesus Christ is glorified. His life is manifested in the, the lives of His children, and every valley that causes us so much grief becomes a mission outreach from heaven. And so God uses us as a living billboard, if you please, which he writes such words on us as grace, sufficient, blessing, power, glory, worthy. Sufficient. Made up a new word. Therefore, the valley needs to be seen as a privilege. So they are painful, they are planned, but they are a privilege. Now, we must plan for the valley. Secondly, we must plan with a vision. Verse 13, uh, we find here in verse 13 through 17, we have the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you, for all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh far more exceedingly, an eternal weight of glory. Uh, notice here, verse 13 tells us 
that our vision must rest upon our faith in God. It is our faith in Him that makes a successful navigation of the valleys of life a possibility. We have the same spirit of faith, he says. Now notice here, it's a vision of the plan of God. A vision of the plan of God. Verse 15 and the first part. For all things are for your sakes. Paul tells us, uh, all things are for your sakes. As hard as it may be for us to understand, that includes the valleys, the trials, the difficulties. When you face a difficult time in life, it must be remembered that God has allowed it to be a part of your life for a purpose. The life of Joseph, you think of him, and he was betrayed by his brothers, and he was sold as a slave into Egypt. Later, he was falsely accused and cast into prison. Many would have seen this as a time of terrible affliction. But you know, later, Joseph was able to look back on it and say that God had brought it all to pass for good. Even Jacob could see no good in it, but later he did see how it worked out. So a vision of the plan of God. We need a vision of the praise of God. In verse 15, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. We need to remember, as I've already stated, that the valley is a good time for us to let our lights shine for the Lord. When we face the valleys of life in genuine faith, God is glorified. His name is praised. You know, it ought to be our goal in life, whether circumstances are favorable or evil, that we will seek first and foremost the glory of God. Too often we forget that if it is happening, God allowed it and He did so for His own reasons and glory. Thirdly, a vision of power, the power of God. Verse 16, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Another truth that seems to be, needs to be remembered in the valleys is the truth that God will sustain His children. God is going to take care of you through the valleys. If He has allowed this time to come into your life, you need not fear that He's going to run off and leave you trapped in the valley. He's going to, he was there before, uh, with you before the valley. He's going to be there with you in the valley, and He's going to be with you after the valley. And so regardless of how difficult uh, times become, God has promised that His grace is sufficient for whatever we might face in life. God promises here to renew us every day. And then not only a vision of the plan, the praise, and the power of God, but a vision of the promise of God. Verse 17, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Now this verse makes a very curious statement about our trials with which we might be tempted to disagree. And yet when we take the time to analyze this verse, we find that there are two precious promises given here that will make the darkness of the valley a lot brighter. The first promise is that He controls the load. He controls the load in the valley. You know, there, I believe there's a common misconception among believers that God will not allow us to experience anything we're not able to bear. And usually this comes from 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. The truth of that verse uh, is that it's talking about temptation. 
It's talking about temptation. He's not talking about the valleys. There are times when you're going to be tried past your breaking point. And you see, he may have to break you. But whatever you face, it will never break him. It may break you, but it will never break him. You see, it all goes back to abiding in Jesus. As long as he is the vine and you are the branch, he is responsible responsible to bear you up. Uh, He said nothing about removing the burdens, just giving us rest in the yoke. Remember, he controls the load, and what seems so heavy to us is as light as a feather to him. How can God call my burden light? You don't know the burdens that I've gone through, someone might say. How can God say that that's light? The answer lays, lies in the weight of glory that he placed on his children when we, get, when we get home. The weight of glory that he will place on his children when he, we get home. He controls the load in the valley. The second promise, he controls the length of the valley. Not only does he determine how much I carry, but he also determines how long I'm going to carry it. It says here that our affliction is but for a moment. Now sometimes it doesn't seem that way, does it? Sometimes we get in a valley and we say, is this ever going to end? Am I ever going to get over this? Am I ever going to get through this? Sometimes it doesn't seem like it's just a moment. It seems like the valley will never end. Again, the answer lies in looking beyond the present into eternity. Regardless of what we endure here and regardless of how long we're forced to endure it, it is nothing when it's laid alongside of eternity. Think of the endless span of time we will have to enjoy the rich blessings of the Lord Jesus in our heavenly home. No matter how bleak or how black it looks on this side, It's far better there than it could ever be here in our best days. So, first of all, we must plan for the valley. Secondly, we must plan with a vision. And then thirdly, we must plan for a victory. First of all, a victory beyond the grave. Again, look back at verse 14. Knowing that which he hath raised up, the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. Uh, You know, there's a saying that went around a few years ago that went something like this. Life is hard and then you die. Well, that's the attitude many people have about life. You know, life is hard and then you die. But you know what? I have good news for you. When you, when they take us out of the grave, out to the graveyard, out to the cemetery, that's not going to be the end of us. That's not the end. Because we're going to continue to live beyond the grave, and life we live uh, then will be imme- immeasurably better than the life could, our life here could ever be. You see, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead will see to it that when you stop living in this world, you start living in heaven. In fact, the same life that fills the resurrected Jesus fills our life right now, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, you don't wait to get to heaven to have eternal life. You have eternal life the minute, the second, the the instant that you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord. You have eternal life. 
Now, what this means is that no matter how deep the valleys may be that we're, we have to walk through, we're going to outlive all the valleys. And when we reach the grave, there isn't going to be any more valleys. Trouble will not follow. When we get to heaven, trouble will be banned. It'll say, no trouble here. Now, we have a victory beyond the grave. Secondly, we have a victory abounding in glory. Again, verse 17 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Now, Paul tells us that when we make it to heaven, everything we've faced in life will be remembered as nothing when compared to the glory that we're going to share over there. What a blessing that is. The idea that we should keep in mind as we go through life is our, uh, uh, of ourselves facing a huge set of balance scales. You know, we place our valleys on one side and the glory we will receive on the other. And when we're able to do this and look beyond uh, the now to then, we will find that our glory outweighs our trouble each and every time. Now, some people use that balance scale to say, well, if my good works outweigh my bad works, then I'll be okay. But you know what? If we think of it at balance scales, we should just think of, you know, the troubles, the glory is going to be outweighing the troubles all the time. But our salvation is not based upon uh, our good works. So a victory abounding in glory, but then a victory available now by grace. Verse 18, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We don't have to wait until we die to get raptured to enjoy the victory. It's ours right now in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to get to heaven to enjoy the best that God can give. It can be yours right now. Now this verse gives us the secret to facing anything that life might throw to at us. You see, uh, Paul tells us that our focus should not be the trials of this life, but the glory of the, of the next. And that doesn't mean that we don't hurt. That doesn't mean that we don't have problems. Uh, it just means that we learn to keep everything in its proper perspective. No matter what you're facing today, it's a temporal thing. It's just temporary. There will be a day when it will end and you'll leave this world. The valley will not, cannot last forever. And yet the place we're headed to and all of its joys are eternal. So this is what sustained the Apostle Paul. As he endured the trials and the persecutions of life, he may not have had a, uh, not had a lot down here, but he was able to look to the distant shore where he had laid up some treasure. He was able to keep his focus, not on the bad, but on heaven. He never forgot that something better is waiting just down the road. Someone might say, well, preacher, uh, that was good for Paul. What about me? How can I face my valleys today and walk in victory? Well, I think the answer is the same for you as it was, it was for Paul. The secret is getting your eyes off the size of the problem and getting them on the splendor of your heavenly home. You see, we're just passing through, and we need to keep our focus on the prize. The worst thing that can possibly happen to us is nothing when it is compared to what the Lord has waiting for us there. 
Jesus uh, is our victory, and victory is ours. And so we should live with it. Now, I don't know, again, what the year 2013 is going to bring to pass in your life or my life. But I do know the one who is in charge of all those things. And I hope you do too tonight. His promise is to be with us, to help us, to keep us. And if there are needs, there are needs in your life you need help with, then I challenge you to bring them to Jesus and uh, keep your focus on Him as, as Paul uh, encourages us to do here as well. If there's a storm brewing on your horizon, you want to be sure you're equipped and ready for when it arrives. And I challenge you to, to uh, uh, with that tonight. A plan for another year. Need to plan for the valleys. We must plan with a vision, and we must plan for the victory. I trust we will as individuals and as a church as well. And I trust that God will bless as uh, we live for Him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity to be in the Word tonight. And we thank you, Lord, that uh, uh, preaching and teaching of God's Word is a priority, uh, not only of this preacher, but also this people. And I thank you, Lord, we can have a church like this where we, we emphasize the, uh, the faithful preaching of God's Word. And we pray, Lord, that even as we look forward to a new year, uh, we pray, Lord, that as we uh, think about uh, the budget and the various uh, uh, things about the church and so forth, Lord, uh, help us to keep our focus upon uh, you and the glory that we can receive in serving you. And we pray, Lord, that we do not faint because you've given us a ministry here uh, and we need to be faithful to it. And Lord, we pray that uh, you'll use us for your honor and for your glory. We pray that you'll uh, we'll see people saved and we'll see people uh, growing in the Lord. Uh, children uh, coming to Sunday school and teens coming to, to church and Sunday school and, and uh, uh, being challenged with the Word of God and uh, determining that they're going to live their life for Jesus Christ. And Lord, we'll give you the praise and the glory for it as we uh, look forward to another year to serve you if you should tarry, if it's your will. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.